Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and excited to talk with uh, three individuals in the golf industry, uh, Dave Cluin, Sarah Hayes, and Keenan Polin. Um, Dave's with the Genesis Invitational, uh, Keenan at the Barracuda Championship, and Sarah over at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Um, excited to talk a little bit about golf on the West Coast. Uh, you know, each of you all in different markets. Um, a little bit different size and scope depending on this, the schedule of the year um, and definitely all different paths into the world of golf as well. So I'm um, excited. And, and Keenan, I'm going to start with you because we, we had a, a conversation coming from the G League and that's definitely a different place than most come into the world of golf. So uh, quick GPS on how you got to um, selling golf. Yeah, so I was in the, the G League with the Sacramento Kings affiliate from 2012 to 2017. Um, did a little bit of everything there, but started in, in sales and worked my way up through the organization. Um, and started with the Barracuda Championship in 2018. So, um, you know, just being in Reno, having a network of, of companies that were interested in sports and saw the benefits of partnering uh, with the Bighorns and, and then with the Barracuda made it a fairly easy uh, transition, but certainly uh, a different uh, experience and product that, that we're offering, you know, in, in a one week span compared to a six month long season that is uh, quite the grind of, of 24 home games and, and trying to fill a, a 3,000 3, person um, event center um, with, you know, uh, a fairly small market that's not necessarily the biggest uh, basketball uh, demo either. So um, I'm having a lot of fun selling golf and, and focusing on, um, you know, companies that, that see the value in, in golf, the Barracuda Championship and the PGA Tour. Sarah, your event's got a little bit of a different twist to it. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, it's different up in the Bay Area, what your focus is and, and how you got there? Yeah, so being for with AT&T Paul Beach Pro-Am, I've been with the organization for 10 years now, kind of my first gig out of college and grown within the organization. Um, yeah, it's kind of came way of, of working at, I worked at Paul Beach Resorts, totally at the Beach, Beach and Tennis Club, their private club that they have there, and even worked through one U.S. Open, obviously not really directly on the golf side, but as a part of the host facility, we'll call it. And uh, just a mutual connection um, that knew me and knew of the Monterey Peninsula Foundation. They were looking for somebody uh, at the time. They said it was geared towards social media. They said, we have social media. We just don't know what to do with it. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of a way of how I got into golf. I did go through um, the UMass Sport Management Program and came out of there looking for, you know, sports teams. Like I wanted to work for you know, Sharks or the A's or go back to Boston and work for the Celtics and Bruins or something like that. So definitely stumbled upon golf. 
Um, never thought I would, you know, be selling it at this point. Uh, as I said, started social media marketing and kind of saw all the opportunities within the organization, but love selling it. Uh, having Pebble Beach to sell is nice. It's, it's a one of a kind, that's for sure. So no, it's, it's, a, it's great. And obviously all for nice charity dollars. So that's always a good message behind why people want to spend with us. And especially through the hard year we had last year, really educating what we're about and people were really supportive and keeping, keeping the dollars with us to support the local community. Well, we won't hold it against you that you came from UMass. It's okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> had plenty of Bobcats. We've actually, we, we've had plenty of UMass grads as well. So um, look, they all, we all uh, go in, in our different ways across the country as, as many of you uh, have worked with uh, plenty of people from, from either program. Um, Dave, what about yourself? So, uh, you know, I actually went to school undergrad for sports management back in the late 90s. So there were not many programs around at that time. So, uh, you know, tried and true knew where I wanted to kind of go through the industry, but Started off actually on the PR and, and marketing front. Um, started off in my hometown, New York Yankees, you know, while in college and very quickly kind of started gravitating towards the revenue side of the industry. Um, golf was the furthest thing from my mind as to where I would end up ultimately in the industry. Um, I've been on the agency world, selling stadium naming rights and overseeing ticket and sponsorship programs to launching major league lacrosse in the late nineties to relaunching Pro Beach Volleyball, um, you know, in, in the mid 2000s. And this opportunity came up. Um, I'd been in LA since 2003. And when Tiger and the foundation took over the event, um, they were looking for someone who came from outside of the golf world, really from more of a revenue stream standpoint, but who understood the LA market. Um, this is a extremely competitive market to say the least with at least two of everything in every professional sports league on top of all of the concerts and festivals and major events like Super Bowls that come in here. And it was really important for us to kind of make sure that the event had a new identity, taking us in a direction much more on the lifestyle side while still, you know, targeting the golf audience. And it's been a tremendous five-year run so far for us. Um, it's a great platform, not just for us with the foundation and raising money for education and giving students a pathway forward, but even for a new brand like Genesis uh, to cut through the clutter and really help them identify who they are and build their brand equity alongside the tournament at the same time. So we've made tremendous strides. Uh, I can't believe we're going into year six of us running this already. Uh, it feels like it was just yesterday, but we've got some great momentum behind us and you know, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else other than this um, now that I've, I've been in the golf world for so many years. You know, for, for all of you, the, the success is, is different in many ways, right? It, there's the charity component, there's the foundational component, there's certain initiatives, there's the community component, whether you're in, you know, Reno, Tahoe, or the Bay Area, or LA. Uh, and Dave, as you mentioned, trying to separate yourself within those markets is never easy, but you also have a much different tie right you're not saying hey like you got to root for the giants or you got to root for the a's like it's not a fan base sell it's a there, there's a little bit of a different nuance to it can you talk a little bit about how that approach is different and how you go about it yeah i mean look you're, you're absolutely right um no matter what we're walking away at the end of the tournament with a winner 
We have no horse in the race. Yes, would I love to see Tiger winning every single Genesis Invitational at Riviera? Without a doubt. But our fields are so strong. We all have such amazing players participating. There is a hometown hero or a fan that is associated with every single one of our players. Um, and it really is about just creating an amazing atmosphere and experience all tournament long. As you said, that is a big differentiator with our sport versus going to a Dodgers game or going to a Lakers game. Um, the other side is the fact that we do all benefit charities at the end of the day. We are nonprofits. The dollars you put forth, when, whether you're coming as a fan, whether you're coming as a corporate partner, whether you're coming to play in the Pro-Am, it all does good. Um, you make an impact in the community. And that's a big differentiator that we go, especially with our sponsors too, of, yes, you've got your suite at Staples Center. But here's what your dollars go towards. And by the way, this is a completely unique experience that your clients can't get at any other time of the year um, in this market. And as we all know, the intimacy of time that comes in with golf, the ability for you to go out and roam along a course and walk with a client, whether you're playing in a program or just walking outside the ropes, in addition to just the hospitality, there's nothing else like that in the industry. And I, I think that's something that we heavily lean into. And I know across the tour, we always try to make sure that people understand those differences of us versus, you know, our friends in, in, within the market. Sarah, as, as you're trying to uh, rally people around the community in the Bay Area, uh, there's plenty to choose from, right? And there's also kind of a, a different vibe there than, say, what you're competing with against Dave, you know, down south um, and Keenan to the east. So how do you go about working with people? Uh, whether it be Keenan or Dave to kind of like best practices, how do you, you know, how do you do it here? How do you do it there? But also at the same time compete in the same way. Yeah, I think uh, this last year we learned a lot. Dave and I definitely spent a lot of time with a lot of the West Coast swing events on the phone calls, like, you know, collaborating. Where are you guys at? What's going on? What do you think is going to work for you? Um, obviously, all ended up very different for everybody on the West coast at different times of the year. But, you know, I, I think that's one of the biggest things I learned in the last year is that we are not really competitors, like collaborating, working together um, is only for the best. We recently collaborated on a, on a call on um, comparing notes on a certain topic, right. A certain category of sponsorship. And, and it was super enlightening and seeing what everyone else is doing um, for us down here in Monterey Peninsula it is a beautiful place, but it is definitely no LA metropolitan area. Um, you know, so we do compete with what we consider this, the giants and the 49ers and the, and the sharks and the golden, the golden state warriors and all that there. So it's really our, the uniqueness of our area is that we have to kind of bring everyone down. You know, there isn't a metropolitan area where they can just come over for the day. There are all the clients of the big, large companies already live there. So really engaging with the, the partners to create a whole experience, right? Because we that helps impact our tourism. That's one of the biggest industries of our area is tourism, agriculture are two of them and getting them to fill the hotels and the restaurants. And so really creating that community vibe is something uh, that we work toward as well because we need the people to come down from the Bay, Bay Area to, to us, so. No matter how long the drive, right? Days, yes. traffic, all that. Yeah. Exactly. One thing I was going to say that Sarah brought up, I think the collaboration that you see on tour is another big difference in this. I mean, as I said, I've, I've had the luxury of being in a bunch of different leagues uh, throughout my career. 
and I will say the the family feel and the camaraderie and the caring about each other's businesses that all the tournaments have, whether it's all of us working together on the West Coast side, trying to make sure we align and understand what's going on with the COVID situation to, you know, our tournaments across the country, trying to figure out what other trends are out there. There really is not a competition. Um, you know, we don't compete with our friends down in San Diego. Um, we have a lot of crossover partners. We try to collaborate as much as we can on bringing people in together and using each other's events to sell new partners, to expose them to the sport for the first time. And I think a lot of that is, is really, you know, a testament to the culture that the tour has set up for all of us. Um, but it really is, you know, everyone's swimming in the same stream together to try to grow this and to try to bring in as much dollars for charity as we all can. Keenan, from a sales perspective, you know, you're diving in uh, every day, prospecting and so on. What's different about selling in golf than maybe, uh, you know, where you were at the G League, where again, you've got kind of that season long platform, whereas there is a season long platform from a golf perspective, but a little bit different. Yeah, so with with basketball, we were focused on, you know, butts and seats on on a nightly basis, 24 home games that we had to fill um, along with with season ticket holders and then going out and selling corporate partnerships. Um, in minor league sports, you have to get very creative and, and find ways to get people to the game. Um, some of it, some of it's gimmicky things that you'd see in like semi pro, um, you know, how, how can we um, you know, get nonprofits involved with a, some type of a, a $10 ticket offer, which $5 is going back to them. You know, it's not huge margins on for, for the organization, but we were just always trying to get creative. Um, the, the in-game experience with some of the on-court promotions and things like that. Um, it was, it, it was a grind and, and definitely, um, you know, moving over to the golf side, um, you know, we're the only tier one sporting event in, in the, the market. Um, so our competition is, you know, AAA baseball. There was a USL soccer team and then the university of Nevada. Um, I, I guess the American century championship, um, you know, we have some crossover partners there as well. Um, but just, you know, to, to Dave and Sarah's point, um, being able to tie that, that charity, um, the charity dollars helping, um, you know, create more awareness for some, some amazing causes, um, definitely is, is a way to kind of set ourselves apart. Um, but the, the pro am experience, our hospitality experience, you really can't get that from some of those, um, you know, other teams and, and sports here in this market. So I think that's a way we, we, uh, are able to, to set ourselves apart and then, really diving into, you know, digital marketing assets now, um, using that as a way to um, create some more year round exposure for our partners. Um, but I think, you know, to both of their points, it's, it's a constant um, evolution of, of ideas, sharing best practices, focusing on trends and, and trying to, you know, kind of um, rise all, all tides, um, across the PGA tour and, um, you know, continue, uh, contributing to that three plus billion dollars in, in charitable donations since the PGA tour's inception. Yeah, truly incredible. Dave, I, it's interesting, you know, you, you've obviously been in other leagues, teams, mm -hmm. et cetera, and not a lot of people know, but like within the golf community, 
the organizations such as yours, Sarah's Keenan's that run these tournaments, the staffs are super small and there's not that many people that, you know, make this thing go round. Now you say that, but then you get, you know, to tournament week and you've got thousands of volunteers, right? Which is an entirely different animal. And there's so many people that are there to help. How do you set the culture? I mean, we've had plenty of people on the podcast talking about culture in the front office and, you know, I think we started with Rick, you know, while it's talking about how he sets the culture and the tone for the Warriors, but it's different for your organization because of how small of a, you know, a family you've got there. Yeah. I mean, look, in many ways, it's easier for us to set that culture with the smaller team. Um, we are very particular about who we hire and making sure that it is going to be a cultural fit with our organization. There are some very strong candidates that we have not brought in in the past because we knew it would not fit in with the overall, you know, energy and culture and camaraderie that our whole team has. Um, But it is about, you know, setting expectations from the beginning of employment on making sure everyone's aligned and understanding what are the goals, what are the values of the organization? We spend a lot of time talking about values at TGR Live. And, you know, look, we have the luxury of having a little bit of a bigger organization than a lot of tournaments because of our foundation and fundraising events and you know we have a dedicated team that it does nothing but Genesis Invitational but then we have some people that we will pull in uh, to various events to leverage but across the board we all understand what our brand pinnacles are for the event what our pinnacles of values are for the organization and we use that as a checkpoint on everything we do does this support that initiative does this tie in with what we believe in as a company and hey great that company x wants to offer us these dollars Is that the brand that we want to associate ourselves to? So you have to have some discipline as opposed to just always chasing the dollars and the growth and make sure that it's aligned with what you're trying to do of long-standing, long-term growth of a brand and a property itself. So definitely is helpful, uh, but just like Rick and all these guys say, it all starts at the top. If we don't live and breathe it, the rest of our team won't live and breathe it. Um, We have to set the example 24-7, and that especially includes the case when our volunteers come on board. Uh, We make sure that, you know, we have an engagement year round with our volunteer committees. We keep them abreast of what's going on. We make sure they understand what, who we are and what we represent. And look, we took over this event from past organizations that ran it. And there was definitely a culture shock with some 20 year plus long-term volunteers. And we had to explain to them, look, if you cannot come on board with what we represent and how we treat our clients and how we engage uh, with our guests on site, then, you know, by all means, you know, happy to have you out as a fan. We'll introduce you to other tournaments, but this is where we're going. Um, and we've had uniform buy-in with that over the years. Sarah, anything different in the Bay Area? No, same as I kind of made a note here, you know, before the call, like small, mighty organizations, very hands-on, um, you know, you wear a lot of hats. I think uh, anybody would say that, right? You're during the day, maybe doing sales calls, and then especially during tournament week, right? You're doing sales calls, you're down delivering hats, and then you're meeting with a client, and then all of a sudden it's time to okay, flip for an evening event, and all of a sudden you're doing guest check-in. Um, it's it's a small and mighty team. We have the Monterey Peninsula Foundation, a wonderful organization. Same thing as Dave said, there. Um, it, it just everyone just jives so well work so hard and ever in the end, we're all in the same mindset of just getting the job done. We're all there for each other. And you have to have that, that mindset and that teamwork during, um, during the tournament really. Cause you know, I think 
as Keenan and Dave will both say, a lot of people will say, what do you do all year? Like, do you really plan the tournament all year? And it's like, you have no idea. Yes. And then when it's, when it's that week, like, you know, I think of all the other tournaments when they're, when their weeks go live, I'm just thinking, Oh, here they go. They're prepping for their parties. They're doing this or doing that. So um, yeah, nope. Same thing. Small, small, mighty organizations. That's, definitely how we how we roll the pga tour i I love that question what do you do all year Uh, (laughs) i know i know that's asked often but you know i i want to transition to our brain fuel segment because um you know to to have that super bowl where you've got your one week right and that's whether that's you know february in february for for sarah and dave or in august for keenan right like that's that one week of the year that you are so in the zone focused um, and Keenan, I'll start with you. Like, how do you mentally prepare for each day? And what we'll do, uh, how do you mentally prepare for each day outside of tournament week? And then during tournament week, what's the difference? Oh man. Um, I think, I think, uh, you know, outside of tournament week, um, I try to just set my day up with, you know, starting in the morning, um, moving a little bit, you know, 20, 30 minutes, whether it's a walk, it's, it's yoga, a little workout, um, get some meditation in and, and try and kind of really hone in on, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish that day. Um, that's, and, and especially over the past 14 months or so, um, some type of, of daily routine is, has been huge just to, um, you know, keep your wits about you and stay sane. Um, and then during tournament week, uh, I mean, it, <laughs> it's really trying to get as much sleep as possible. And that window is pretty, pretty small. Um, but I think to, to both of their points, it's really, you know, constant communication with the rest of the team, making sure that everybody's on the same page, um, you know, getting up early, going out and really trying to prepare and make sure that, that we're going to be able to offer the best experience possible um, for, for our partners, our fans, our volunteers, um, you know, anybody that's, that's, uh, um, has a stake in the tournament, um, you know, whether that's starting the day off with, with putting pairings guides and all the hospitality venues and, uh, to, to going and checking in on, on volunteers and vendors and making sure that, you know, um, whatever, whatever event we have going on that day is, is ready to go. I think that's one thing that, you know, when you tune into a, uh, a tournament on a, a golf channel broadcast Thursday through Sunday is really all you see from the outside. We have events going on, you know, all tournament week and uh, a lot of the, the Monday through Wednesday preparation, that's really um, where a lot of the time and energy is spent. So once we get to Thursday and, you know, seven o'clock, the, the first uh, tee shots hit, that's kind of when we can, take a little bit of a deep breath and like, all right, at least we're off. Now we can focus on, on executing the next four days and, and making sure that everyone's having a great time and everyone's taken care of. Sarah, how do you mentally prepare for the breakdown after the tournament? Okay. Post tournament. And I'm sure Keenan and Dave can enjoy this and think the same thing. It is the weirdest like week after the tournament. You like, as Keenan said, you're going on such little sleep that the adrenaline keeps you going and then that Monday hits after and the adrenaline's gone, all the eyes are off of you. 
kind of have to like decompress. It's a, um, it's a weird, it's a weird week after, and then you're exhausted and then you have to, you know, do the cleanup and the recaps and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, I love the event life that I thrive in that kind of environment. So the long hours and, and, you know, the busy days, like I really enjoy that. I always say like, I couldn't imagine being like a banker where every day is like the exact same and your, your year never goes up and down. It's all just kind of, kind of equal. So, um, so yeah, I would say just kind of like taking it all in and then watching it go off, sending it down to Dave <laughs> typically, <laughs> but typically that's what we do. Literally. Um, we, we, we hope Sarah ends on Sunday so we don't have any delays on travel on a uh, Monday playoff. That's for sure. That's right. You, you, you pray and you watch the weather and you're like, all right, that's very true. California, like you're, you're set up pretty well there. So there's usually nothing to go too wrong. Yeah. Our, our time, our time of year, we get hit. Sarah and I have definitely uh, had some years that, you know, we're, we're on the phone and we're all talking together and like, okay, what structure just went down with a TV tower during wind and, you know, you're watching patterns, but you know, that's also part of the joy in my opinion, oh, of outdoor events, you know, agree. you, you got to be able to adapt and, you know, play with it. And, you know, if you don't have that flexibility, you will go nuts leading up to your event and going through it. Um, but you just got to be ready to roll with the punches. Dave, to, to that point, what's the most important aspect of the mental side of working in sports? Honestly, I think it is that adaptability. Um, you know, look, we can all have amazing plans for 14 months leading up to the next year's tournament. And then out of nowhere, guess what? COVID hits. And you need to be able to figure out how your business continues to grow, how you change plans, how you engage with your clients. Um, I think we do a really good job of it. And that's not to say this last year was not extremely difficult, but I think because if you have that mindset of being able to adapt and to pivot and to be nimble, you can find ways to succeed and you will find silver linings through that. Um, there's many things that we learned over this last year that we probably never would have looked at as an organization that will influence the way that we engage with our clients, with our fans, with the media moving forward. And you know, I'm very excited for that. I know that some other surprise is gonna come down sooner or later to us again. Um, but if you can adapt, if you can stay calm in the face of chaos, um, you will be fine. And, you know, our chief administrative officer had told me once, you know, I don't believe in people working under stress. I believe in stressful situations coming up, but if you have the right mindset, you can work through that and it doesn't influence the approach moving forward. Um, and it's something that I, I take to heart and I, I listen to, and I try to, to do with my own life. Um, easier said than done sometimes, but you know, if you could pull back for a minute, take a breath, um, and reassess the situation. I think you, you know, we, we all see how, how we can adapt very quickly. Sarah, same question to you. Most important mental aspect of working in sports. You know, I wrote the same exact thing down here. Expect the unexpected, be able to deviate, think quickly, especially during tournament week. You know, we've had venues literally get blown away. Um, with the weather, you know, changes, people commit, don't commit. Like there's just so many factors that come in to the tournament that you can't control. And so you just, you can't even start to try to control them. You just have to, to, to go with the flow and, um, you know, be proactive and 
react in in a positive way and not a negative way. All right, next, let's find a solve solve this problem, move on, figure it out. Because um, otherwise, like Dave said, you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah, Keenan, do you have anything else to add to that? Um, I mean, those are both both great points and great mindsets to have. I think one thing that I always try to do too is like take a step back and realize that we work in sports, we work in golf. That's a privilege. Like a lot of people are trying to get into this industry. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's a game. Um, but we have the opportunity to, you know, work hard, provide an enjoyable experience. And at the end of the day, really positively impact our communities, generate money um, and awareness for charities. So really just trying to, trying to smile and, and enjoy that, that we work in this industry that, you know, millions of people watch and, and are fans of, um, we get to do it day in and day out and call it work. Sarah, I'm going to go to you on this one. If you could have the brain of either Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Kamala Harris, or Michelle Obama, which one would you choose? Oh, mm. You know, I would have to go with Elon Musk because I do feel like he is able to see like beyond like what is in the world um, and can, you know, conceptualize something that doesn't exist. And I think that's something that as in this industry in any sports industry, right, as you're trying to be um, creative, you're trying to figure out what's the next thing and what's what doesn't exist that we can do. Um, and so that's that's who I would go with. I know Keenan's a Seattle fan, so I'm not sure if he's going to go Gates. I mean, Sarah, you went with the easy answer of Musk. You're in the Bay Area. Dave, there's nothing for you there. I, there's no hometown favorites there for you. What do you got? There isn't, but I, I would go Musk um, because I, I, I believe you need to be a disruptor to make true change and to create something really remarkable and special. Um, you know, I'm not a status quo guy. Something that works well doesn't mean I'm not going to re- evaluate and look to reinvent it and you got to be willing to take some risks um and, and that's one of the things that that you know i really admire about elon it's got to be a calculated risk which i believe he does do as much as people may think that some of them are out there but you know if you don't take risks you're not going to move the ball forward um you know it's, i say it to my kids all the time if you don't take a chance then you're going to fail so you can't be afraid of failing um, it really is that first attempt at learning, as we say to our kids. And, uh, you know, I, I think Elon kind of personifies that greatly. Keenan, what you got? Uh, I mean, I appreciate what, what Bill Gates has done for the technology industry and, you know, from a philanthropic side. Um, but Elon Musk for me is, is the one to just to <laughs> try and spend a little bit of time in, in his mind. I mean, he is the CEO of four different companies. One's trying to go to space. One's uploading consciousness to the cloud. Like it's just pretty unbelievable what, um, what that guy's done. Um, you know, I, I also wouldn't want to be going through a divorce like, like Bill Gates is right now. <laughs> um, and then I think, uh, you know, just recently it would be pretty, pretty darn cool to be able to host SNL as well. <laughs> Although my, uh, my Dogecoin uh, is, is, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not too happy with where that's gone since uh, Saturday night. <laughs> that's a great one. All right, last one for you, because you were talking about productivity a little bit, Keenan. Um, what's your secret to productivity? Um, really, I tried one phrase, one phrase, one phrase. Yep. 
I'll say um, use use technology and tools that we have at our disposal these days. Sarah? Okay, I'm going to quote someone. It's going to come out probably left field because you probably think I'm a California sports fan, but got to quote Bill Belichick on this one. Do your job. Um, you know, really just we're a part of a small team. You know, focus on what you have to get done. Do it. Do it well. If you, if you do your job, the rest of the team will hopefully do theirs and you all, it all comes together. So, Dave, who are you quoting? I'm quoting myself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my, my, my approach is be passionate about what you do. If every effort starts with passion and a desire behind something and that drive, um, it's very easy to get productivity. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I, I, I truly enjoy what I'm doing. The day that I don't, I will move on to something else um, that drives me because that's what keeps me engaged. That's what makes sure that I'm giving 110% to everything. And look, we all work. 365 days a year. There really is no vacation. Even when we're on vacation, if you're passionate, your mind is, is always thinking about work and what you can do. There's a balance there, but it gets me through these seven straight days of 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. until midnight during tournament week because we really, I care about what I put forth that week, but it's the same thing year round on preparation. Uh, I, think, I think, Jake, if I can add to mine, because I, I, I didn't like my answer. Um, you, you didn't like plan uh, <laughs> no because I, I i thought word not phrase um i like what sarah said um although i'm a steelers fan and, and the patriots have crushed crushed my hopes and dreams so many times uh in the postseason but trust the process um you know do the things that, that other people um you know don't want to do on a daily basis i think the more you can stack those the, the more success you're going to have all right, you all are in golf. So the last thing we'll leave you with here, listeners, is uh, would you rather have a hole-in-one, a 400-yard drive, or your own golf cart? Hole-in-one. I'm going to go hole-in-one as well. Hole-in-one. Well, I've never had one. So if you have, great. If not, the journey keeps on living. So, okay. <laughs> Sarah, Keenan, really appreciate your thoughts, insights, perspectives. Always welcome on. And uh, Keenan, good luck in August. And Sarah, Dave, until the next February, we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Jake. Thank you. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at brainfuel.com b-r-e-i-n fuel.com with the code lifeo15 l-i-f-o-1-5 at checkout and a reminder to get your copy of lol loss of logo what's your next move our new book written by andy dolich and your host jake hirschman if you go to mascotbooks.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll receive 50% off at your checkout or available on Amazon, ebook, and print.